Are you left-handed? No, this isn't an infomercial. I'm just genuinely curious because odds are you probably aren't. 10% of the entire world is made up of lefties, me being one of those lefties. And one thing that all lefties can agree on is that when we write, we smudge like crazy. Now, what do I mean by this? Because we are left-handed, our pinky drags across the paper, therefore smudging the words as we go along. Now, it's easier if we're writing with pencil because, hey, we have an eraser and we can erase those smudges, right? No problem. But when we're writing in ink, the smudges are permanent. And really, there's not a whole lot we can do other than sit and admire our pinky as it's covered up and down in ink. Welcome to Motor City Hardball, presented by Blue Wire Hustle. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about mistakes that we can't go back in time to fix, but we wish we could. Now, depending on if the trade is approved between Major League Baseball, the Colorado Rockies, and the St. Louis Cardinals, One would think that the Colorado Rockies would love to use an eraser on this one, especially a few years down the road, let alone at the end of this season. The breaking news over the weekend was that the Rockies were going to trade their third baseman, Nolan Arenado, to the St. Louis Cardinals in exchange for Bupkis, pretty much. Uh, The Cardinals were going to give the Rockies $50 million and basically take over his remaining contract. Um, Now, I don't want to get too involved into the details right now. Uh, We're going to jump into this in a little bit. But today's episode is more so focused on decisions, bad decisions, mistakes, uh, trading a player, whatever the case may be. Uh, When it comes to the Tigers, and any of these decisions that were made over the years that they wish that they could take back. I'm sure you or someone you know could name a player or a scenario that happened in which it was like, well, why would we do that? Why would we get rid of him? Or why would we sign him? There is, unfortunately, no restart button in baseball, let alone in life. So we're going to take a look at some of the unfortunate decisions uh, that the Tigers have made over the years and some that, you know, they'd really like to have back. But before we get into that, let's take a look at some of the biggest news that we've missed since last episode. I'm sure you remember those days of walking into a GameStop with false hopes, with 10 games in your hands, hoping that you'd get a little bit of cash for them, uh, only to find out that you got $10 worth and maybe $15 in store credit if you were lucky. But the Mets were in the news this weekend, uh, not necessarily because of something that they did in terms of a signing or free agency move, uh, but the owner of the Mets, Steve Cohen, dropped off of Twitter because his family received threats uh, that he attributed to misinformation that was not tied to the baseball team. So if you haven't heard, but I'm sure you have, uh, GameStop, basically the price of their shares soared because of Reddit. People in Reddit basically were like, hey... We're going to basically drive up the cost of the GameStop GameStop stocks. Uh, Now, you'll have to bear with me here because my knowledge on the stock market is not very strong, uh, but I could generally follow along the story just like most people. Uh, 
But basically, Steve Cohen is the owner of a hedge fund and was losing tons and tons of money because of this. And Robinhood, they put a, a halt to basically being able to buy and sell uh, GameStop shares through the app. Uh, so Steve Cohen's hedge fund, Point72, became entangled in market turmoil that has pitted a band of small investors against traders that made bets against or shorted stock companies, including GameStop, uh, according to CBS News. Cohen went on and said, quote, I really enjoyed the back and forth with Mets fans on Twitter, which was unfortunately overtaken this week by misinformation unrelated to the Mets that led to our family getting personal threats. Cohen said Saturday in a statement issued by the Mets, so I'm going to take a break for now. So Steve Cohen, who was so active on Twitter, basically engaging back and forth with the uh, Mets fan base, asking, hey, who should we sign this week or who do you guys like? He was very active on Twitter, made the decision to leave Twitter solely because of these threats that he was receiving, uh, and everyone was kind of giving him shit for this. Uh, not for the move, to, not for the decision to leave Twitter, but basically what was happening uh, in the stock market and whatnot. So Steve Cohen is still ghosted from Twitter. We haven't heard anything or seen anything from him yet. But I would not be surprised if a Trevor Bauer signing is still in the mix. Um, the Mets actually traded Steven Matz last week. Uh, but now they have traded for Jordan Yamamoto, starting pitcher from the Marlins. Low-key, really good player, by the way. Um, you should definitely look him up. He's got nasty movement uh, and is very young, so he's got a bright future ahead of him. I saw the Steven Matz trade, though, as a move to make a open spot in the rotation, thus allowing the signing for Trevor Bauer. That remains to be seen, and Bauer is still on the free agent market, so we will see what happens there. Make sure you have your winter coat and your beanie on hand because Major League Baseball is supposed to start on time, officially, with April 1st being opening day. Uh, MLB on Friday proposed a 154-game schedule that would pay the players for 162 games and pause their arrivals to camp until March 22nd, with the first games of the season starting April 28th. Uh, this offer was rejected by the MLBPA, the Major League Baseball Players Association, so baseball will start on time. All players will be reported to spring training by February 17th, and opening day this year will be on April 1st. This move was expected to happen in terms of the rejected proposal by the MLBPA. Uh, it more so had to do with Rob Manford's decision-making in terms of allowing games or deciding which games to be canceled due to COVID, which I don't really follow because... Regardless of that, games are going to be postponed or canceled. Um, we saw this last year with the shortened season, and we've seen this almost every day now in the NBA. So I don't necessarily understand that move, but the, it was rejected, and baseball is set to start on time. Now, Arizona, the state of Arizona and all of the cities where spring training is played, they wanted to push back the date for spring training because of covid they wanted to give it another three to four weeks. Um, I don't necessarily see that benefit in that and having spring training start late because we're already a year into COVID. So what is waiting like three more weeks going to do? It's not going to make a huge difference. Uh, but it was announced that the Cleveland Indians have banned fans from spring training practices in Goodyear Stadium. Uh, the team said on Monday that per MLB guidelines, 
The club's player development complex in Goodyear, Arizona, will not be open for fans. Uh, Cleveland's facility is adjacent to one for the Cincinnati Reds. So this is the only decision so far that has been made in terms of uh, no fans being allowed at spring training. They did announce that fans will be able to attend Major League Baseball games during the regular season, uh, but so far there's no word on spring training whether or not fans will be allowed. Finally, Dave Portnoy and the Barstool Sports crew released a slew of videos over the past several days. Uh, They were in town because sports betting is now legal in Michigan, and Barstool has the Barstool Sportsbook app, and they were here basically promoting it, uh, and Dave decided to do some pizza reviews as well. Uh, Not only that, but he decided to settle a dispute between American Coney Island and Lafayette Coney Island. Uh, If you are smart, you would know that Lafayette is obviously the better place to get a Coney in so many ways. Not only only is the Coney dog better, but the environment is better. Uh, Post-Tigers game, Red Wings game, whatever the case may be, that is the best place to go, hands down. Lafayette, after the game. Everybody does it. You got to wait, and eventually you will get your seat. And it's awesome. Who doesn't love Lafayette? And Dave picked American as the best Coney between the two. I don't get that. And if you watch the the video review, I think he was biased because he had the phone call with that lady who I think was the owner of American. Uh, He said the hot dog was presented better, which is just stupid. I mean, I wouldn't consider that as... It it just comes down to the, the Coney dog. And the taste. Who cares about presentation? It's literally a hot dog slathered in chili with mustard and onions. There's nothing pretty about it. It is one of the dirtiest, messiest things you can eat. I eat it with a fork and a knife. Um, I just don't see how you can pick American over Lafayette. Like Lafayette has all the, the pictures of famous people that have been there, that have had the conies, that could clearly attest to the fact that hey lafayette is better than american coney island now i've only had american twice and one time i went i think i had a salad i didn't even have a coney dog but i have had their coney dogs lafayette just blows them out of the water the only difference between the two is when you go to lafayette you can only get a coney dog or loose coney and fries like that is it that is all they serve but american has like other food and sandwiches and salads and stuff. So it's just that literally proves the point of they don't solely focus on the Coney dog. They're literally giving you an opportunity to walk into their restaurant and not have to eat a Coney dog. If you want, you can order a salad or you can order a chicken finger pita. What is that? When you go to Lafayette Coney Island, you have two options. And that second option would be, well, do I want fries with my coney dog today or do i not want fries two choices to make literally that is it so regardless of what dave portnoy says we all know the best spot to go to after a tigers game after a lions game after a red wings game after a pistons game it's lafayette Nolan Arenado is officially a St. Louis Cardinal. 
there was a lot of banter between him and the Colorado Rockies management over the last season. Basically, Arenado signed an extension two, two seasons ago. Uh, it was a six-year, roughly $200 million extension. Uh, and he was hoping that they were going to build around him. They were in a win-now situation. They, as in the Colorado Rockies. Uh, and unfortunately, for their sake, they didn't go out and sign anyone else. They, they didn't get better. In fact, they got worse. And there was even rumors that they were interested in trading Arenado, uh, which obviously he took to heart because he had just signed uh, a, a extension to play with the Rockies. And so he was dealing with some of this pressure all of last season uh, and, and the season prior. So as of today, it is official. Nolan Arenado joins the St. Louis Cardinals. So the trade looks a little bit like this. Cardinals get Nolan Arenado and cash considerations. Uh, the Rockies are getting Austin Gomber, uh, Elihiris Montero, Tony Losi, Mateo Gill, and Jake Summers. So all these guys except for Gomber uh, have yet to make the major league roster. They are currently in the minors. Uh, a couple of prospects. I don't know that much about them. But realistically, I think that this trade – is going to bite Colorado uh, years down the road because literally he is arguably one of the best players that that franchise has ever seen outside of Troy Tulowitzki uh, in recent years and uh, Todd Helton. But I just can't believe <laughs> that they decided to say, hey, you know what, we're going to get rid of him. And at this point, the only pieces they have left is Charlie Blackman and Trevor Story. Colorado had announced that they're not going to uh, trade Trevor Story. They said they intend on keeping him for the duration of the 2021 season. But I feel like that remains to be seen because this is a prime example of Colorado not sticking to their word and making a move in trading their franchise player. And I feel bad for the Rockies because Nolan Arenado really gave his all, um, has won a gold glove every season with them, literally makes defensive web gems day after day after day and is one of the most fun players to watch in all of baseball. And they decided to ship him off. Uh, this makes the NL Central that much more interesting. And something I didn't realize was up until this point, collectively, the NL Central spent only $4 million in free agency. Um, the Cubs did sign Jock Peterson just the other day, but they lost Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Pittsburgh has traded away Jameson Tyone. So the NL Central is unique, uh, in a unique situation right now. Obviously you have the Reds with Trevor Bauer, who it's possibly unlikely that he resigns with Cincinnati. And there was also talks that Luis Castillo was going to end up getting traded somewhere that could happen at some point this season. But this, uh, St. Louis Cardinals team becomes that much more interesting to watch uh, it, it always feels like they're they're a playoff team year after year, but they just don't make it past the NLDS. They can't compete with uh, the L.A. Dodgers. And at this point, realistically, the NL West is such a powerhouse. It's going to be hard to compete between uh, the Dodgers and the Padres. And who knows? Possibly Arizona is, is going to make a push. 
at trying to compete. And uh, the NL has thoroughly gotten that much stronger. You know, it's not like Arenado went from the National League to the American League. Uh, he left a team that was in the NL West that really had no say or doing in any of the contention. Um, not really a competitive team, Colorado, over the last several seasons, especially when you're dealing with the powerhouses of the NL West. Uh, so I like this trade. I think Arenado is the change of scenery is definitely going to help. It's not like he's going to get any worse. Uh, and to, to say that he's going to get better is scary because he is by far the best defensive player in Major League Baseball. I feel strongly about that. Um, and I feel like he was quietly underrated with the Rockies just because of that team and uh, playing in that division. It's just that the market is so different. And now that he's over in St. Louis and, you know, he's got his buddy over at the other side of the diamond and Paul Goldschmidt, two guys that can really mash um, that St. Louis Cardinals team is really going to be fun to watch. Now, when it comes to some of the bad moves or moves that we wish we could have a do over when it comes to the Tigers, there's plenty of them when it comes to the last 10 or so years. And in my opinion, that biggest decision that the Tigers wish they could do over was trading Eugenio Suarez. So obviously, Eugenio Suarez today is surprisingly one of the best third basemen in baseball, at least when it comes to the bat. Uh, offensively, he hit his stride when he got traded. And this was something that we didn't see at all uh, in Detroit or when he played in the Tigers minor league system. Uh, he was the number five player in the Tigers organization back in 2013 before he made his MLB debut. Uh, but when he came into the minors, in the, or sorry, when he came up to the Tigers and they called him up, he was just all right. I mean, he played in 85 games. He had a 242 batting average, uh, four home runs, 59 hits, but he didn't necessarily show that he was some soon-to-be really good prospect that the Tigers should not give up and take a little bit more of a chance on. Uh, obviously, they regretted that decision. So at the time, the Tigers were in need of starting pitching, and for some reason, I I just don't understand this because Dave Dombrowski, who was so good, in my opinion, uh, at his job, made a tough decision and ended up trading for Alfredo Simon, who <laughs> was old. Uh, at the time he was traded to Detroit, he was 34 years old. He had just come off an all-star season back in 2014. Uh, and that all-star season was a 15 and 10 record, a 344 ERA and 32 games pitched. He started those 32 games, uh, 196 innings, uh, and, you know, his numbers were just all right. I mean, they weren't anything crazy. Sure, he won 15 games, and his ERA was under three and a half, but he was old. I mean, he, that was his only all-star season. Uh, he really hadn't been able to last uh, that many games. Looking back at his numbers, I mean, he was kind of a bullpen guy back with Baltimore. Some games he started, other games he didn't. Same story with Cincinnati. 
but for some reason, Dave Dombrowski thought, hey, this guy is going to make a huge addition uh, for this pitching rotation and this pitching staff. So I guess Dombrowski thought, well, you know what? Let's just forget about this Eugenio Suarez guy. He's probably not going to do us any good anyway. Let's let's trade him away. So this one ends up biting them. Uh, Eugenio Suarez leaves the Tigers and puts up these incredibly offensive numbers over the last several seasons. Uh, dating back to 2017, he had 26 homers. 2018, 34 homers. 2019, 49 homers. Uh, and even in the shortened 2020 season, in 57 games, he had 15 homers. So clearly this guy found his strides in Cincinnati. And this one hurts because Suarez was a prospect for us. I mean, the odds of us taking him, you know, essentially giving him a extended contract um, would be possible at this point. You know, if we kept him and he was putting up those numbers in Detroit, I don't see why we wouldn't keep him. Now, obviously, we wouldn't have made the trade for Jamer Candelario a couple years later. Uh, and if I had to choose between the two of them for who I'd want at third base right now, if you don't include Isak Paredes, I would take Eugenio Suarez. And I think most Tigers fans would agree that this guy, even though we gave up on him and we didn't see this coming, no one did, we would love to have him back because uh, he's done really well for Cincinnati. And then over on the other side, you have Alfredo Simon, who just pitched super average. He went 13-12 and 12 in that one season with the Tigers. Uh, he had a 5 ERA, which is not great. Uh, he gave us, he, he ate some innings, 187 innings, but he gave up 201 hits, 105 runs, 24 homers, uh, walked a bunch of guys. So that made no sense. And he was only with us for that one year. And then he was in, he was granted free agency in 2016. He went back and signed with the Reds. Uh, and that was it. That was the last time he played. And it's really weird because I just did some searching around. And he didn't even officially announce that he's retired. Uh, he has not pitched since 2016. But there's no announcement that he has retired. Uh, I think he was dealing with some arm injuries. But you would think, hey, at this point, if you haven't pitched since 2016, I highly doubt that you're going to make a comeback. And he was 35 in 2016. So this dude is fully in his forties and I doubt that he would ever return to the baseball diamond, but Hey, I think we all wish that we could get Eugenio Suarez back. Next up, we have whoever's decision it was to send Brandon Inge to the home run derby back in 2009 uh, this was arguably Inge's best season with the Tigers. Uh, he played almost 162 games. He played 161 games. Uh, and he was tied for fourth in home runs. Uh, he had 21 home runs at the All-Star break. He was tied for fourth place in the American League. Uh, but he was unable to hit a single home run at the Home Run Derby in Bush Stadium. Now, these were the old rules. So you had 10 outs and it was not like timed how it is today. If you didn't hit a home run within 10 balls, you were done. That was it. And he got blanked. Uh, I remember I've been trying to find footage of this, uh, of the home run derby and I can't find any. And for 
inch, I guess, in his favor. There, there is no video out there. Uh, but he dealt with some tough competition. Uh, he had to deal with Nelson Cruz, Carlos Pena, Joe Maurer, and Prince Fielder, who evidently won, Adrian Gonzalez, Ryan Howard, and Albert Pujols. So here's the thing. No one expected Inge to win right off the bat. He was by far the biggest underdog. Probably the biggest underdog the Home Run Derby, even to this day, has ever seen. You have Brandon Inge, like arguably the most iconic player in Detroit Tigers history, some would say. Uh, let's say the most liked and the most fun player in the Tigers history. That's a better uh, way of putting it. Um, competing against future Hall of Famers, in Albert Pujols, uh, possibly, possibly Nelson Cruz, uh, Prince Fielder. I mean, he was dealing with the Sultans of SWAT, and you had little tiny Brandon Inge, who evidently didn't hit a single home run. Um, and it's it's actually really interesting because the Tigers have never had anybody win the home run derby. Uh, they had, but they had players that had previously won it. Like I think the year after they got um, Prince Fielder, he had won, he'd previously won the home run derby. Obviously he'd won it a couple of times. Uh, and then they got Cespedes and Cespedes won the home run derby. I think when he was with the A's and possibly even the Mets. Um, but for the Tigers, Brandon inch couldn't get it done. Cabrera was in the home run derby a couple of times, but he never won. So the Tigers haven't had anyone win the home run derby, but they've had players on the team who have won it in years past. Fielder finished that home run derby with 23 total homers, and Nelson Cruz came in second place with 21, which is crazy because the format change needed to happen so badly for the home run derby, although I did like it. I liked how you had 10 outs, and you could take as many pitches as you wanted. There was no time limit. Um... And I don't think that change led or that change happened because they wanted to speed the process up. It it happened because they wanted more home runs. This literally gave players the opportunity for more homers, to hit more home runs, uh, to have more than ten outs. And I, I've loved the change ever since. Don't get me wrong, but I do slightly miss those days when players had ten outs to make. And Fringe, he put up a big zero. In the winter of 2014, the Tigers made a trade that sent Rick Porcello to the Boston Red Sox in exchange for Ioannis Cespedes. Uh, Cespedes, at the time, was one of my favorite baseball players. He just had this unique charisma and attitude about the game of baseball. There was all these videos of his workouts. Like, he had these crazy workouts. He was one of the strongest guys I've seen in the sport. Got a crazy arm, a rocket for an arm, a great glove as well, and was really good with the bat. Um, He started in Oakland with the A's back in 2012. Uh, 23 homers his first season, followed by 26 homers his second season. So he showed that he had a little bit of pop, uh, was pretty healthy. He went on to Boston. Got traded to Boston in 2014. Somewhat struggled a little bit with them. Didn't have uh, as much power as he showed in Oakland. Uh, He only had five homers in 51 games. So now it's the end of the 2014 season, 
And the Tigers say, hey, you know what? We believe that that guy still got some pop uh, and that outfield needed help. They were like running with Andy Dirks, I think, and Rajay Davis. And they had J.D. Martinez as well. But J.D. Martinez was not known for his defensive abilities. Uh, he was more so better with the bat. Uh, and the Tigers said, hey, you know what? We're going to get Yoannis Cespedes and we're going to trade Rick Porcello. Ironically enough, the Red Sox ended up signing Porcello to an extension. I think a four-year, $80-plus dollars. Uh, and Porcello went on to win the Cy Young that following season. Isn't that crazy that Rick Porcello won a Cy Young? And that was a year, too, where it, it was between him and JV. And Verlander was at the top of his game still, and Porcello beat him out. Kind of crazy, a uh, little side note. But I honestly, I loved that we got Yoannis Cespedes. Uh, I thought that he was going to bring a lot to this team, which he did. He played 102 games with the Tigers. He had 118 hits, mashed 18 home runs, 61 RBIs. He was a great addition, a short-term half-of-a-season addition. And at the trade deadline, we ended up sending uh, Cespedes to the Mets in exchange for Michael Fulmer uh, and Luis Sessa. Uh, Michael Fulmer obviously ends up being the 2016 AL Rookie of the Year and was an all-star for the for the Tigers back in 2017. But we all know what Michael Fulmer is like nowadays. He was not the Michael Fulmer that he used to be. And uh, in, in hindsight, when we had initially traded Cespedes and we got Fulmer and we saw just how great Fulmer was, he looked like he was going to be the future ace of this team. And there was a lot to be excited about. I really liked Michael Fulmer. And at that time, it was hard to let go of Cespedes. But getting Fulmer in exchange seemed pretty good uh, at the time. But now, even though Cespedes has been strange when it comes to the shortened 2020 season and his decision to opt out, and the day that he opted out, people saw him at the mall and took pictures with him. Crazy backstory there. Um, story for another day. But he's he's had some weird incidents in his time with the Mets. But he still is arguably one of the uh, best outfielders in the game of baseball. And I, I feel like no one has really mentioned his name in years past. Uh, he's definitely dealt with some injuries, which has, uh, you know cause for some uh, time on the DL and, and hasn't played as much as he would have liked to, obviously. But he's put up some solid numbers with the Mets. Uh, back in 2017, uh, 2015 actually, his first season with the Mets, he went off in 57 games. He had 17 homers, four triples, 44 RBIs. And that 2015 season that he split between Detroit and New York was incredible. Um, he was such a force for them in the World Series uh, against Kansas City. And it had seemed like, all right, how could the Tigers have let this guy go? Um, in fact, I would have liked just how Boston gave Porcello the extension. I would have loved to see that happen with Detroit. I really don't understand why we got rid of him um, at the trade deadline. He was so good for us, and he was still young. And uh, I thought he had a lot of promise. Still, though, he's one of my favorite baseball players to watch. Something about him, something about his swing. He's just got this crazy power, and his ability to play the outfield is unlike 
what we've seen uh, in, in years past. The only guy I could really think of in comparison is, well, obviously Mike Trout, but in terms of having the glove and the arm, uh, Ramon Liriano with the Oakland A's and Kevin Kiermeyer, uh, both of those guys incredibly defensively, uh, both have lasers for arms, not necessarily great with the bat uh, by any means, but Cespedes just had this energy that he brought and... I don't know, something just still to this day irks me that we never kept him. He was a Tiger for literally half a season. When it happened, I thought it was like the best trade that has happened uh, in a while, even though we had traded for David Price that prior season. uh, You know, everything just fell apart for the Tigers after 2015. Eventually, they got rid of Justin Verlander, J.D. Martinez, uh, Victor Martinez aged. We got rid of Castellanos. I mean, it's crazy to look back at this 2015 roster to see where everybody is now. Uh, James McCann just signed with the Mets. Uh, he got paid. Cabrera, Kinsler retired. Jose Iglesias, eh, you know, he's been around. Uh, hasn't necessarily been a, a standout candidate by any means, but he's still so good defensively. Uh, Castellanos went to Chicago and uh, played pretty well there. Obviously, he's with the Reds now. You have Cespedes. Anthony Ghost, who's such an interesting story. Uh, if you don't know, I think that was the last season he played with Detroit. Uh, and then took some time off. He ended up, goes to the minor leagues, and wanted to become a pitcher. And who knew that he could throw a baseball 100-plus miles an hour? Uh, he's still playing, I believe. He's definitely not in the majors. He's playing for some team elsewhere, but crazy to uh go back and look at this roster jd martinez he mashed back in 2015 man 38 homers i also want to say that was the season when he was out no no that was not the season because he played in 158 games might have been 2016 or 2017 uh when he hit the home run off chris sale he came in as a pinch hitter in the eighth inning the tigers were down two to one and of course jd martinez being who he was at that time was so clutch for Detroit and hit a go-ahead two-run homer. Tigers went on to win that game. Uh, you had Victor Martinez on this team. Rajai Davis, such a classic name. Had some crazy uh, hits in his life, in his career. Um, one that I can remember right off the bat with the Tigers was a walk-off grand slam against the A's. But as I'm sure you all know, he had the go-ahead or the game-tying home run in Game 7 of the World Series against Aroldis Chapman, something that most people didn't see coming for such a small guy. Uh, he was so fast, but he you know, definitely had a little bit of pop when it mattered. Um, I just, uh, something about it, though, that Cespedes. I, I wish we had him. He's still just such a fun guy to watch play baseball, and um, we miss him. It's been a while, and uh, I think he's poised for a strong comeback season. So that is all for today's episode. If you feel strongly opinionated about my The Tigers Wish They Could Go Back in Time and Change Those Decisions uh, segment today, feel free to reach out to me. Let me know. My Twitter is at B underscore Rothenberg. Uh, We will see you guys next Wednesday at 3 o'clock. Should be pretty interesting uh, in terms of new news that happens in the week span. A lot happened uh, between last week and today's episode. Uh, and baseball has announced that it will be starting on time. So, hey, 
Spring training is just a couple of weeks away. Who'd have thought? That's all, guys. We'll see you next week on Motor City Hardball.